1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your Bible, if you'll turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians 9. I feel a lot like this morning about this story I heard about a old hound dog who made his way to the uh, Westminster Kennel Club dog show. That's a very uh, uh, highfalutin, for lack of a better word, dog show in the northeastern part of the United States every year where people show off their purebred dogs. And so this old hound dog, he shows up at the Westminster Kennel Club and somebody says, what in the world are you doing here? And he said, I don't know, I just like good company. And so that's kind of how I feel this morning. I'm just glad to be here. I like good company. What a pleasure to be here and see a lot of uh, folks who uh, hold a special place in my memory. Uh, Marcia sends her regards. She could not be here. Uh, like Brother Jared said, uh, I was supposed to begin a new pastor today, but I told him I was going to be on the mission field in North Carolina, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make it today. And so she's there in absentia for me. We were with them on Easter Sunday and I'll be uh, in the office there officially tomorrow. I'm looking forward to lunch, and uh, you pray for my safety as I drive home today. First Corinthians 9, shortly here, we'll read verses 24 through, thir- 24 through 27. In 1981, some of you may have gone to a movie theater and saw what was a very uh, popular movie at that time by the name of Chariots of Fire. And the movie Chariots of Fire was about the Scottish athlete Eric Liddell. Eric Liddell was born in 1902 in North China to Scottish parents who were serving on the mission field there in China. Uh, when he became a teenager, his wife sent, I'm sorry, his parents sent he and his brother to a boarding school, and later he went to college back in Scotland, and it became a very apparent very quickly that he was a good athlete. And one of the athletic endeavors that he was best at was that he was fast. And when he ran anywhere, he was very fast, and he would just put people to shame. And years went by, and by 1925, Eric had made his way to the uh, World Olympics, and they were held that year in Paris, France. And part of the story in the Chariots of Fire is that Eric Liddell refused to run on Sunday. And he actually found out many weeks ahead of time that he was supposed to run in the 400-meter race on Sunday, and he just flat said he would not run on the Lord's Day, that he would be worshiping. On the Lord's Day. And so he did set a world record for the Olympics. He ran the 400 meter race in 47.6 seconds. And he set a record. If you saw the movie Chariots of Fire, there is a scene in Chariots of Fire where the man playing Eric Liddell stands in front of a microphone and he says these words You came to see a race today to see someone win. It happened to be me. But I want you to do more than just watch a race. I want you to take part in it. I want to compare faith to running in a race. It's hard. It requires concentration of will, energy, and soul. You experience elation when the winner breaks the tape, especially if you've got a bet on it. But how long does that last? You go home, maybe your dinner's burnt, maybe you haven't got a job, so who am I to say, believe and have faith? in the face of life's realities. I would like to give you something more permanent, but I can only point the way. I have no formula for winning the race. Everyone runs in her own way or his own way. And from where does the power come from to see the race to its end? From within. Jesus said, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. If with all your hearts you truly seek me, you shall surely find me. 
If you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. One of the many images found in the New Testament to describe the life that you and I live for Jesus Christ is a race. And that's one of the images in this text this morning, or actually the 25-cent word for that is metaphor. Now, what's a metaphor? That's when a person compares two things that are not alike. And that's what the Apostle Paul is going to do here in this text. We're going to look at it here in a minute. And he's going to compare living for Christ to running a race. And in essence, he's going to show these folks in Corinth how to run their race in a worthy manner. And so that's the main idea of the text. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now what's going on in this chapter? Well, the Apostle Paul started uh, back in chapter 8, talking to the Corinthians about whether or not some of them had a question, and the question was this, can we sit down to a meal of meat that has been offered as a sacrifice to a pagan idol? And so essentially the Apostle Paul says, you have freedom to do that, but do not abuse your freedom. And uh, he goes on to explain that he has freedom in chapter 9 to uh, receive compensation for preaching the gospel, even though he had denied that and he had asked not to be paid. And so here he's talking about the, the freedom that you have, but yet at the same time to be disciplined in, in the race that you're running for Jesus. Paul encouraged the Corinthians to run their race for Christ in a worthy manner. And so the same idea for them in this text is the same for you and I this morning. Christians should run their race for Jesus Christ in a worthy manner. Because there is a way that you can run unworthy. And if you and I have really come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, one of the things that you and I should want to do for Him is live a life that honors and glorifies for Him. So this morning we're going to look at this text and we're going to ask ourselves this question. Am I running my race for Christ in a worthy manner? In a way that is worthy of Jesus Christ. So, what does that race look like? I want us to look in the text and see four ways that we can run the Christian race in a way that is worthy of Jesus Christ. Whether or not you and I can decide after we've looked at this text and know if really I'm running my race in a worthy manner for Jesus. Truth number one is found in verses 24 and 25. Run for Christ with sureness of the reward. You need to be running for Christ this morning with the assurance that there is a reward. Look into what Paul says in verse 24. Do you not know? And the verb there, know, K-N-O-W, can also mean perceive or understand. In the Greek, it's an imperative verb. There could be an exclamation point after the word know. Don't you know? Paul is using the strongest language available to him in Greek. And he's using the strongest grammar that's at his point to let these people in the church at Corinth know, do you not know that you are running in a race? Maybe you come in here this morning, you don't know that you're in a race. And you should be running this race for Jesus. Maybe I'm talking to somebody this morning, you sat down. 
and you're not running. Maybe instead of running, you're just galloping. Maybe instead of galloping, you're just, you're just kind of walking the race. Paul says, do you not know that you are running a race? Do you not know that those who run in a race... Now, the word that Paul used for race here is a standard word that describes a 600-meter race. This church was not far from where the first Olympic Games were held in what we know as modern-day Greece. There was a set of local games ran near Corinth called the Isthmian Games. And so this athletic imagery would have immediately been understood because one of the things in one of the contests that was done as a part of the Isthmian Games was a 600-meter race. And so that's the word that Paul uses here for race. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Now, what's he saying? In the Isthmian Games... Or in the Olympic Games, only one person wins. And who is that person? That's the person that crosses the finish line first. But look at the second half of verse 25. He says, Now everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. He said, Now listen, Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. We. We'll look at the first part of verse 25 here in a minute. But Paul says here at the end of verse 25 that every person running the race for Jesus Christ will receive an imperishable crown. The athletes who run in the Isthmian Games, as they won, they would be presented a crown made out of laurel wreath or some other type of vegetation. And it had a shelf life and it would disintegrate and go away. But Paul says here at the verse 25, Corinthians, I want you to know that all of us run for an imperishable crown. Let, let me share this with you. We don't run this morning to be saved. I'm running this morning because I already am saved. That's what Paul's saying right here. You don't, it's, it's not a matter and an issue of human exertion to run this race. I began this race the day Jesus called me and drew me unto Himself and saved me by His glorious grace. I'm running for Jesus. He said, and do you not know, He said that every one of us We'll win a crown. There are five crowns talked about in the New Testament. And one of those crowns is the crown of eternal life. Every person here this morning, under the sound of my voice, who knows Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be rewarded an imperishable crown of life one day when you see Jesus face to face. And folks, knowing that Jesus has a reward waiting for me, and He's standing at the finish line, that should make me want to run this race in a worthy manner. To know that Jesus is at the finish line holding this crown of life that He will lay upon my head one day when I see Him face to face. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. All throughout the New Testament, it's this idea of running the race and knowing that there's a sureness of the reward. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the Apostle Paul also talks in other places about this crown of life that you and I will receive. 2 Timothy 4, 8, Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And listen, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved His appearing. He said, everybody who knows Jesus will receive the crown of life. 
James 1.12, James says this, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Folks, we need to be running this race for Christ today, knowing that there is a sureness of the reward. You have already been given Jesus. God gave you Himself when He gave you a personal relationship with Jesus. And yet, in eternity to come, and the final judgment day, the Bible clearly says that the Lord Jesus Christ will reward every person who's come to know Him as Savior. A crown of life. That should make me want to run in a worthy manner. Knowing that Jesus is waiting to reward me with that crown. So how do I run this race for Jesus in a worthy manner? Run for Christ with sureness of the reward. But the second way is this, run for Christ with the self-control of the Spirit. Look at the first part of verse 25 in what the Apostle Paul says. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. He says everyone. Notice that is a... That's a full, encompassing word, not just some people, not just people in a certain class, not just certain classes of Christians, not just preachers, not just Sunday school teachers, not just deacons, not just people involved in ministry. He said, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, some of you may be reading a translation where it says, uh, exercises self-control in all things. It's the same, it's the same word. Now, some of you may be wondering, now, what in the world does this issue of temperance have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, if you look in Galatians chapter 5, not now, and read verses 22 and 23 where the Apostle Paul describes what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is, he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such there is no law. Listen. Running worthy for Jesus is not an issue of you just white knuckle, I call it the white knuckle brand of Christianity. What is that? That means me just holding on and straining and working just as hard as I can till my knuckles turn white. You, it is impossible this morning for you to run a race worthy of Jesus without the superintending work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Go to the Gospels. And read the fact that our even our own Savior was empowered by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came upon Him at His baptism and prepared Him for the 40 days of testing that He would have in the face of Satan. And that begs the question, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, then shouldn't I need the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. And the Apostle Paul says here, he says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. The men who participated in these Isthmian games were very, very disciplined. They went to bed at a certain time. They got up at a certain time. They ate certain foods. They didn't eat certain foods. They watched all kind of things like that. Why? They were, they wanted to be, they wanted to be self-controlled. They wanted to be ready for the race. They knew that they needed to be temperate. They needed that, knew that they needed to be disciplined. I got this, uh, wild-haired idea about a year ago. My doctor had got on to me, and uh, I, uh, for those of you under 40, when you have the joyous privilege of turning 40, you start having this thing every year called a physical exam, uh, where the doctor uh, 
takes blood and looks in every opening of your body and uh, then he mails you this little piece of paper in the mail and tells you what's wrong with you. And so he uh, told me that my uh, cholesterol was high and he wanted to put me on medication. And so I thought, this is, uh, I am way too young to be on medication. I said, I'm going to push back from the table and I'm going to exercise. And so I had started exercising and I was going to lose some weight. And so I had started running and I uh, was not any good at it, but I did enjoy it. And so I got a wild harebrained scheme about a year ago that I was going to run a half marathon. And that's 13.1 miles, for those of you who don't know, a half marathon. And they have this huge marathon in downtown Atlanta every year, and it's on Thanksgiving morning. And so I thought, I had ran a 5K, which is 3.2 miles, and uh, I thought, I'm going to run a half marathon. And so what did I do? I started becoming temperate. And self-controlled in all things. Like what? I found me a plan. I went to the internet and I, I consulted a man who had ran several Boston marathons or New York marathons. And he told me how many days a week I should run, how far I should run on those days, when I should let my body rest. And you know what? I followed that plan religiously. And each week I would have to discipline myself to do what? Run more. Because you're trying to go from running three or four miles at a time to running 13 miles at a time. And by the time it was over with, on Saturdays, I was running nine miles on Saturday morning so that what? So that I would be prepared for the real race. Because I told Marsha, I said, honey, I want to do three things. I said, when I, when I run this half marathon, she said, what's that? I said, well, first of all, I want to finish. I said, don't want them to have to haul me off an ambulance. And I said, number two, I don't want to finish last. I said, I don't want to be the last person to cross the finish line. And I said, number three, I said, I just want to finish in three hours. And I will tell you that I accomplished all three of those goals. But that's what Paul says. Everyone who competes in this race must be temperate in all things. Now, what does that mean for me? Folks, part of knowing Jesus is understanding what things are good and profitable for my relationship with Jesus and things that I just don't need to be wasting my time and my energy with. I need to be disciplining myself to place myself in the pathway of God's grace on a regular basis to do what? Read His Word. Pray. Worship with other believers. Use my spiritual gift. Be, be disciplined. There's some places my eyes just don't belong, men. There's some, I need to be disciplined in what I look at and what, what enters my body. Knowing that, and what helps me to do that? The power of the Holy Spirit who produces this temperance and self-control in me if I will just yield myself and live a life of surrender. If I'll just place myself in the pathway of God's grace. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.6, To your knowledge add self-control, and to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness. Folks, in this race for Jesus... In order to run a worthy way, I must have the self-control of the Spirit. I must have the sureness of the reward. In running for Christ, I must also run with certainty of the goal. Look at verse 26. Therefore I run thus. Now the Apostle Paul has gone from using that second person pronoun, you. In the first few verses, he said, you do this, you do that, you be temperate, you, you, you. Now he's switching to the personal pronoun, I. 
He's about to share with these people how these, this principle fleshes itself out in his own life. Therefore, I run thus. Paul says, listen, here's how I run a worthy race for Jesus Christ. Here's how, here's what this looks like in the life of the apostle Paul. Not with uncertainty. Paul says, I have certainty about this race, about where I'm going and, and what I'm doing. Let's go back to that illustration I shared with you about me running this half marathon. I, Thanksgiving morning, I got up. I was up before God was up, I think, on Thanksgiving morning. And so I, I drive all the way to downtown Atlanta to Turner Field where the Atlanta Braves play. And I park and I have this a bunch of time just to kill and do anything. And so I've got this number and you have a number based on how fast you are. I was all the way in the back. Uh, I was nowhere near the front. And so they started us in groups. Not everybody started at once. And so we got started. And as I was running, I, I, I noticed they had the streets of downtown Atlanta shut down. They had these barricades up. And we'd go through an intersection. There'd be policemen there. They'd have uh, the streets blocked. And they'd be directing traffic because we were the we were the main thing in town that day, this, this half marathon. Now, what if I had decided, you know what, I think I'm going to jump one of those barriers. I just don't particularly like the route that they've laid out for me. I think I'm going to jump one of these barriers, and I'm going to get down here on I-85, and I'm just going to run 13 miles, six and a half miles just north on I-85. Then I'm going to turn around and run six and a half miles back and run the finish line. Well, I would have been, I would have been crazy. They would have had to carry me to Georgia Mental Health after I was done with this. That's what Paul is saying here. He says, therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Folks, this is a very simple question. But let me ask you this morning. Do you know where you're going? Do you understand that there is a race to be completed? There's a line for you to get in. There's a course for you to get in. God's got a place for you to run. And you don't need to be running somebody else's lane, in somebody else's course. And you need to be running the race knowing what the certainty and where God has got you and what God wants you to do and to be disciplined and to be there and run with the certainty of the goal. Do you know where you're going? Do you know what you're doing? Is your life with Jesus causing great certainty and sureness in your life where there's a method to the madness despite what goes around you, the world falling down and falling apart, economic calamity, health calamity, knowing what? I'm running with certainty. I'm right where I'm supposed to be and I'm right where I need to be. And I'm running knowing what my course is and I'm right where Jesus wants me to be. Running with certainty. He says, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. Same idea, but said in two different ways. Paul now changes from the illustration of someone running to a boxer. Boxing was also one of the athletic endeavors involved in these Isthmian games. Men wore gloves made out of ox hide. And so in the middle of this paragraph about running a race worthy of Christ, Paul changes pictures on us, and now he's going to talk about somebody boxing. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. Imagine you and I are in downtown Raleigh, and we're there getting ready to watch a boxing match. There's not a lot of boxing on TV anymore. I'll tell you one of my favorite uh, things I like to watch on TV. Am I am I the only man in here who likes to watch um, 
ultimate fight challenge. On. All right, brother. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Rest of you, turn in your man card when you go out the back door. Now, those guys come in, and they do more than box or wrestle. They just beat the stew out of one another. But imagine we're sitting down watching one of these ultimate fight challenge matches in the octagon, and one of the participants comes in, and he just starts waving his hands at nobody and just starts running around and acting crazy. What, what's he doing? I fight, but not as one who beats the air. What's he doing? He's just beating the air. And what are you and I going to say if we're sitting in the audience? What in the world is he doing? What's the guy who he's supposed to be fighting is going to say? What in the world are you doing? And so essentially that's what Paul says. Paul says, I'm disciplined. I'm running. I know the course. I know where I'm going. He said, I am not like a boxer who is standing in the ring just waving and frailing his arms about. Folks, listen. The Christian life is way too short for you to just be goofing off and playing around. Folks, I want to tell you something. The race you're in, it's timed. Like that half marathon I ran, we had a certain amount of time to finish the race. And if you're not done, you're escorted off the course. And folks, I want to tell you, every person here on the sound of my voice today, your time's counting down. Your time is counting down. And one day, it's going to be gone, and God in His sovereignty, He's going to say, that's it. The time that you've had to run this race is over. And so, folks, you and I need to be running the race with certainty of the goal. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Listen to that athletic imagery. Not that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. You need, you can run worthy today knowing that there's a certainty of the goal. There is an end place. In the children's book, Alice in Wonderland, Alice asked the Cheshire cat, she said, I need directions. And the Cheshire cat said, where do you need directions to? She said, I don't know. She said, I don't know where I'm going. She said, where do I start? He said, if you don't know where you're going, it really doesn't matter where you start. And she said, well, I just want to go somewhere. He said, well, just start walking and you're sure to get somewhere by just walking. And folks, that's, that's what it's like to run the race for Jesus without certainty of the goal. Just, what are you doing? Well, I'm just walking. Well, 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 what are you doing? Well, I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. What's your spiritual gift? I don't know. Where are you serving? I don't know. Where's your church home? Well, some Sundays I go here and some Sundays I go there. And Brother Jared, I read a good article the other day. Some folks, you know, they got their paper pastor. They got a real pastor like me and you. Then they got a paper pastor who they watch on TV, who they read. Oh my, oh, he would never do that. Or he would never, never do that. Who's, who's your church? Who's your pastor? Where's your spiritual gift? Where are you serving? If you're going to run worthy for Jesus, you got to know that there's a certainty of the goal. And lastly, run for Christ with sensitivity of the danger. Look in verse 27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Again, Paul's using the first person pronoun. He's talking about himself. I discipline my body. The word discipline there is an odd word that actually means this, to hit under the eye. 
Again, it's that boxing imagery. Thus, I hit my body under the eye, is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Look at that word subjection. That's slavery terminology. What did Paul say? Paul says, I control my body. My body does not control me. Paul compared himself to one of these boxers in the Isthmian Games or one of these men who ran in the Isthmian Games. Folks, your appetite, your emotions, your mental faculties will control you if you let them. But because you have the mind of Christ and because you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, you can do what the Apostle Paul says right here and bring your thought life your emotions, your will, and what you want to do into subjection. Why? Because Jesus earned that and gained that on the cross for you when He defeated sin and flesh and defeated your flesh. The Apostle Paul says, I literally discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Like like what? What, what do you mean? Like, folks, all of us should be discipline in our body to do without something in order to do what? To spend time in God's Word. Discipline in my... Tomorrow morning, my alarm clock's going to go off. And you know what? It's going to be a hard morning. Why? Because i got a six and a half or seven hour drive in front of me. And I'm going to get home about bedtime and get in the bed. I'm not naturally a morning person. I'm going to have every excuse in the morning not to discipline myself to do without something that my body is craving. What? Sleep. I heard a fellow the other day call it mattress victory. I like that. Mattress victory. (laughs) But by the power of the Holy Spirit, as Paul says here, I have the power to tell my body what? No. You're going to get up. You're going to get in there at your desk. You're going to open up your Bible. You're going to open up your journal. You're going to read you going to pray. You know, I can discipline my body to do without being somewhere else that I'd rather be this morning and be with God's people in worship. I can discipline myself to exercise my spiritual gift. Paul says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Paul, why do you do this? Lest when I have preached to others. The word preach there is the word herald. It's the same word... For the man who was at the Isthmian Games, who was in charge of calling people to begin the competition. So this paragraph is just full of this athletic imagery. The Apostle Paul not only saw himself as a person in the games, but he also saw himself as a herald. He didn't do what? He was standing and he was telling people, get in the race. Jesus is coming. Get in the race. Run for Jesus. And he said, What good is it if I stand here and I call people into the race for Jesus and running a race for Jesus? He said, if I've disqualified myself, I myself should become disqualified. You know, in these games, just like games today, there were rules. And if you operated outside of the rules, you would be disqualified. And folks, I'm going to tell you something today. There are biblical godly principles about this race that you and I are in. And if you compete, if you don't compete in the way that Jesus 
say is you can be disqualified. Now, you're not going to lose your salvation. You can't lose that. You're saved and you're secure if you are saved. You may think you are this morning and you're not. That's, that's, that's the problem many times. But what's the Apostle Paul says here? He said it's just like these games. He said if you don't operate by the rules. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about my conduct as a pastor in 1 Timothy 3. Those first opening verses in 1 Timothy 3. And you know what? If I don't compete by those governing rules, you know what? I'm disqualified. And I'll have to get on the bench and recover before I can ever get back in the race. Folks, there's a danger today in this race. I found out as I was competing for this half marathon, one, one of the dangers, if you, if you don't watch it, is uneven pavement. Or you're out running somewhere and it's uneven. You can turn an ankle in a minute and sprain an ankle and that can side, that's, that's a danger. Maybe, maybe just a little rock or a little pebble somewhere where you're running and you step on that and that causes your foot to turn. Something that small. And folks, let me tell you something. The devil is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and you are on the menu. And I'm on the menu. Folks, there's danger everywhere. And Satan is doing his best to disqualify men and women from what? Having an influence on the lost world. He would love nothing better this morning than to sideline all of us in this race for Jesus and cause us to be disqualified. Are you running this morning knowing what? Danger is around you. Satan is seeking your downfall. Satan is seeking his best to disqualify you and to put you on the sideline and to make you a person who is not an influence and who is not salt and light in the world. If you're going to run worthy, you better recognize there's danger. You better see that there's danger out there. In 1981, a Minnesota radio station put out a strange announcement on the radio. They said, they described this car, and they said, if you're driving this kind of car, you need to report to the local and the closest law enforcement facility as soon as you can. But what was unusual is this car had been stolen, and the police knew, and they got this radio station involved, they knew that probably the person driving that car was the person that stole the car. Now, why was it? Why would they do something so silly to think that a thief would drive the stolen car to the nearest police department? Well, one thing that the thief didn't know was on the front seat of that car was a box of saltine crackers, And those saltine crackers had been laced with rat poison. They wanted the car, but they wanted to save the life of the person who was driving that car even so much more. Why? There was was danger. And even though the thief had stolen that car, they wanted to spare him and spare his life and to keep him from ingesting that poison. Folks, if you're going to run worthy for Jesus, you need to understand there's danger involved in this. I mentioned the fact... Uh, about running a half marathon, probably the most famous marathon, which is 26.2 miles, is the New York City Marathon. And, of course, the Boston Marathon was just held a few weeks ago. But in 1986, uh, about 20,000 people competed in the New York Marathon. And what was memorable in 1986 at the New York Marathon was not who won the New York Marathon, but it was who came in last in the New York Marathon. It was a man named Bob Wyland. 
And listen, Bob finished 19,413th. And the last seven people dropped out. So he came in dead last. And listen, he ran these 26.2 miles in four days, two hours, 48 minutes and 17 seconds. But what I didn't tell you is that 17 years earlier, Bob had both of his legs blown off in Vietnam. And Bob ran the entire New York Marathon on his hands and with his arms and with this sleigh on the bottom of his torso. What's the truth there? Folks, it wasn't important that he won. It was important that he finished the race. He ran that race in a way that was worthy. And folks, listen to me this morning. Don't worry about being first in this race that you're running to Jesus. Don't, don't be worried about your time. Oh I'm, oh, I'm in a hurry. You need to be concerned about finishing your race for Jesus in a worthy manner because there is a way that it can be done in an unworthy manner. Are you running your race for Jesus in a worthy manner? Every head bowed and every eye closed as we enter our time of invitation. Brother Jared's going to be at the front.